Joan De La Fleur, the podcast experience. With your host and special guest, Joan De La Fleur. All right, darlings. Hello. It is I, Joan De La Fleur, and you're listening to Joan De La Fleur, the podcast experience. It's 3.33 in the morning, and I've had the most trying experience already this evening, darling. So, although I wish I could come to you all light and lighthearted and happy and young and youthful and ingenue-like, you're going to get a certain sort of bitch quality from me right now. And if you're at work, I'm sorry, this is not going to be suitable for work. But let me ask you, darlings, when has great art ever been suitable for work unless your work is great art? Now, darlings, let me tell you what I've had to endure here at this house I haunt. You may hear some of the creaking and the noises of the people moving about, or you may hear some of the other phantasmas, or in this instance, I am going to use the pedestrian term they deserve, ghosts. There have been a few new ghosts who have moved into this house here in Larchmont Village that I currently haunt, and they are a jam band, and I've had to endure two hours of ghostly jamming on the same song. Only not as good as I'm singing it, darlings, let me assure you. Not as good, sort of loose and high and stoned. And if this is what marijuana does to a ghost, well, I hesitate to see what it might do to a living person. I myself have to admit, I was really always more of a drinker. You know, bring me a martini. I'm happy, darlings. Certainly, I went to a few parties where it carried... Well, we called him Archie, my friend, good old Archie and his partner. They would throw these wonderful Christmas parties, and we'd all drop a little acid, darlings, do a little LSD, and have these expensive experiences. But there were never any terrible jam bands forcing us to endure the same three chords over and over and over again. So, darlings, welcome to my podcast. But if you hear some strange jamming in the background, I shall be forced to turn into a monster before your very eyes. Now... I seem to have frightened away the jam band for now. We shall see if they stick to it, because they are but children, darlings, but children. In the meantime, welcome, my beautiful fans, and I do want to say, I appreciate all of the jubilation, laudation, and general glee I've heard from you regarding the first two episodes of Joan de la Fleur, the podcast experience, darlings, yes. Those of you who have written to me at joandelafleur at yahoo.com, I want to thank you ever so much for your fan letters. I thought we could discuss dating, courtships, marriage, divorce, love, Joan de la Fleur style, of course. Where to begin? Oh, well, of course, I was married six times, well, seven, six times while alive and once while dead. Believe you me, I know a thing or two about love, sex, courtship, relationships, marriage. I'd like to remind you that in my day, marrying and divorcing was for all sorts of reasons, including business arrangements, love, helping a friend, financial gain, children. And while I'm sure that these days you're swiping left and right and your little mini-movie screens that you hold in your hands, I fear that your current technological approach to love, dating, courtship, sex, romance, and divorce has you believing in unicorns, darlings. Now, I may be a phantasma, but let me tell you, I have never seen a unicorn in all my 117 years on Earth. When you are seeking a unicorn, darlings, you are actually betraying the very reason you look for love. Now, what do I mean by unicorn? Well, I fear 
that our current technologies made it such that you think that there exists out there a perfect person that will absolutely instantly become your instant perfect match, darlings. The perfect romantic, financial, social, religious, sexual match for whom you will never have to change or grow, who for whom you are also that instant perfect match and for whom they will never have to grow. But darlings, what is it that you really seek when you love? You seek connection, darlings, connection. To feel back that you are alive and then indeed you wish to grow. I know you do. I know you do. Because there's still a part of you, despite all of the Botox and plastic surgery and filters and everything that exists out there in the world of technology today, there's a part of you that knows that you shall age and die. And therefore, you can either grow old or you can grow, darlings. And if you have a partner to grow with, well, you can still grow old or you can grow. Wouldn't you like to have that connection, darlings? Now, like I said, in my day, we married for many reasons. Financial, career, although I'm sure in the year that we are currently in, whatever that is, this modern era, marrying for career gain in Hollywood is verboten. I'm sure of it, darlings. Although it probably still happens under different names, under different guises. I'm sure it still happens, darlings. But wouldn't you rather marry for love? Or to be more honest, if you are marrying for financial gain, then just be honest about it. But don't think that there's going to be some perfect unicorn out there for whom you are absolutely, naturally perfect and you'll never have any single problems at all. Because problems create growth and growth creates chemistry and chemistry creates intimacy. Intimacy is hot and visceral and sexy, darlings. Yes, there's nothing like a good old fight to have makeup love make up sex, to feel so great about yourself, to just feel hot, like you can just go be with your partner or divorce your partner or go find someone else to be hot with. Now, Neil deGrasse Tyson is an astrophysicist, and he'll tell you that in the world of physics, there is actually no such thing as perfection. That's right, darling, because chaos and gravity and chaos and entropy and gravity and entropy and gravity and entropy is creating it such that there's never actually any sort of perfect structure, but simply that there's this sort of constant attraction and repulsion, attraction and repulsion. Why do you think humans are any different, darlings? So, it stands to reason that if the universe isn't perfect, and you are part of the universe, it would be impossible for you to be perfect. So, I say, stop chasing perfection in the self or others, darling. Just allow yourself to get a little vulnerable, and a little open, and a little assertive. And let yourself get to know the person in front of you so that you don't miss the magic, darling. The magic of being alive, which is to be in the body, to be visceral, to feel the pleasure and the pain and the place where those two mingle and intermingle. That is how you know you're alive, darling. Believe you me, you want to be alive while you're on earth. You don't want to be dead before you're alive. You want to be won't be perfect ever, darlings. No, leave that to Joan Delafleur.
I know what you're thinking now. You're thinking, but Joan, if I get vulnerable, that leaves me in danger to pain. I've been hurt, Joan. I've had my heart broken. Well, let me tell you. I've been married seven times, and I've had many other love affairs. I know what it means to get hurt, too. Trust me, I know what it means to be in pain over a broken heart. And of course, to have the biggest heartbreak of all, which is to have been a star while alive, and then after life, nobody even remembers you. Why do you think I'm doing this podcast, darlings? If that's not heartbreaking, I don't know what is. But let me tell you, it's worth fighting for. It's worth learning to trust again and try again. Because you're alive. And as long as you're on Earth, alive or not alive, what else do you think you're doing, darlings, but becoming the very youest you that could ever exist? Now, I happen to be Joan de la Fleur, and so the mandate is for me to become the most Joan de la Fleur that ever was. The most Joan I can be, darlings. If in doubt, you just say to yourself, well, if I were Joan de la Fleur, what would I do? Certainly, I would have a martini, a cigarette, and then I would go try again. I wouldn't stay home because of a broken heart, darlings. I wouldn't fantasize on one of my little mini-movie screens that I could find a unicorn. No, I would go either find my partner and get visceral and get hot, or I would make a movie and find a partner in the process of making a movie. And I'm not talking about porn, darlings. No, I'm talking about a beautiful film, a moving picture, such as the studios could only dream. Well, for that, you'll have to learn more about me, stick around the podcast, and perhaps buy the book that I understand is being written about me as we speak. along. Now, I'm sure you're all very interested in hearing more about my marriages. So I thought I would just tell you a little bit about my marriages, separate from my love affairs, of course. Only a few of my marriages involved love. But darlings, I met my first husband in vaudeville. He was the strong man and he was beautiful and dumb. I was 14 and he was 31. And now before you get shocked, I want you to remember that in fact, this was in the 1920s. We were in the middle of the, the depression. We had just survived the first world war and the pandemic, the Spanish flu. And 14 was the age of consent, the state where I come from. In fact, probably still is this age of consent. Looking back, 14 in my day was a grown woman. I'd already lived life as an adult, I can assure you, by that point. So please stop being shocked because it was a hundred and some years ago. I don't know what to tell you. But let me tell you, it was 103 years ago. Good Lord. 103 years ago, darlings. 103? 102? Oh, I don't even recall exactly. I was 14? Anyhow, it was over a century ago, and I met my husband, and I married him for... What I called love, but what I realize now was really just hormones. And then I realized that I also had an affinity for his brother, who was the barker and the man in charge of booking our vaudeville act. The MC, he had a lot more power. 
so I had a sort of love for the one who was brawny, beautiful, but dumb, and then the other who was the brains and brilliant and with whom I could have success and become the star of the show. And thus began a pattern, darlings, of going back and forth, first to brawny, beautiful, and dumb, and then I would move back to the brains. So I would go from beautiful and brawny to the brains. Rarely did they coincide, darlings. Rarely. Anyhow, I split up with my strongman husband because I missed my freedom, darling, and let's face it, 14 really is too young to be married. I didn't get married for a few years after, but I met my second husband at a Christmas party. By now, I was an up-and-coming starlet. He was a producer and, again, older than me, but by now I knew more about what I wanted in life and how to ask for it, darlings, and how to demand it and how to manipulate to get it. We both wanted the same thing. My success, my stardom, and lots of money, darlings. Lots and lots and lots of money. We divorced after I discovered that he was gay, but more importantly, because that wasn't really the problem in our marriage, it was really that our films together, while initially wonderful, began to bomb, and we both needed to move on to bluer skies. My third husband, Luis, he was a band leader, and we had a fabulous time together. I can't say that I loved him exactly, but we certainly did know how to enjoy our time together. Unfortunately, while he was away on tour, I met the love of my life. A man I never married, but who was a a co-star in many films with me. And I deeply, deeply respected and admired this man, although he did marry my frenemy, my number one most hated enemy, whom he loved, although he always had a keen friendship for me, he said. This is the greatest heartbreak of my life, darlings, when it comes to romance. My fourth husband was an oil magnet who was old and rich and kind. And by now, I didn't need money, darlings. No, I, I had my own. Certainly not as much as he had. But what I did want was kindness. Someone who loved me for me, who couldn't believe his lucky stars that he was married to me, who didn't use me for anything other than to feel amazed that he could marry such a woman as myself. I did hope for children, but unfortunately, he died before we could have any. I inherited all of his oil and all of his fortune. My fifth husband was a gay friend that I married to help restore his reputation after slander ruined his career. I was always a very loyal friend, darlings, very loyal. Now, we never actually divorced, this gay friend and I, but by the time I married him, I had reached the age of 37, darlings, if you can believe that, which in those days was middle-aged in America and downright elderly when it came to Hollywood. So I married him to prove that I was still young and vivacious and to help him with his career. We had a wonderful time as roommates, and we shared a house for many years, and in fact, 
After we both were dead, we shared this house again. Story for another time, as usual, because we have only so much time for this podcast, darlings. But in terms of marriage, when I married my gay friend to help him with his career and to revive his reputation, I had a wonderful marriage with him until he died, and I became a widow to a friend, not a husband. Then I vowed never to marry again, and lo and behold, surprise, surprise, darlings, in my 60s, I fell in love again with a man 40 years my junior. Suddenly, I understood why all of these older men I had loved and dated and married and courted and been courted by when I was young. I understood their position. It's not that I loved my sixth husband because he was young, simply that he had a sort of vivaciousness I really admired. Oh, yes. Jean-Pierre and I, we married in Tangiers and honeymooned in Monaco. No, actually, the other way around. We married in Monaco and honeymooned in Tangiers. Together, we, we experimented with mushrooms and LSD, which, of course, I had already done with Archie, as I told you before. We practiced yoga and we ate health food. I gave up drinking and dieting and acting for a time until Jean-Pierre drowned in a tragic boating accident in the Mediterranean. Pity that my one foray into eating food incorporated only vegetarian health food. I never did eat a steak, because shortly after Jean-Pierre died, I received an offer to revive my career as an actress. And I went back to the old ways of the drinking man's diet to get back into shape for a, a horror film. But, of course, just as I was about to stage the greatest comeback Hollywood had ever seen, I died. So, in the ethers of the afterlife, I have looked for my husband, Jean-Pierre, but I haven't found him. By the way, don't tell my current husband, whom I married after life, that I sometimes still look for Jean-Pierre. I don't think he would really understand it. First of all, he's Italian, and Jean-Pierre's obviously French. And secondly, it's... It's not that I want anything to happen, darlings. No, it's just just that I'm curious. Curious about Jean-Pierre. Excuse me, where were we? Act three, darlings, act three. My advice for you regarding love. My advice, generally speaking, is get out and about. Stop looking on your little mini movie screens that you hold in your hands looking for love. Just go out there. And until you meet someone, love the one you're with. Now, I'm not talking about masturbation per se, although... There's something interesting about a soul such as myself, dispossessed of a body, discussing the pleasures of the body. I, Trust me, I, I know that irony is really not lost on me, but I do know a thing or two about it. It's one of the things I can still use, my acting and my muscle memory, my visceral memory, my method acting to conjure up, darlings. 
And in fact, I thought I would come up with a, a number of ways for you to get back into your true self, back into the energy of being alive, whether or not you're in love, whether or not you're in a relationship. I thought I would tell you my top 10 ways to say, fuck off to nihilism and, oh, darlings, are you surprised that a glamorous movie star such as myself can swear? Well, I've been learning a thing or two from your current movie stars, and I hear that some of your current movie stars swear. But perhaps I should take that again. So, here are my top ten suggestions on how to say, screw you. You can go, say, stick it where the sun don't shine to nihilism, depression, and fear of getting out there and meeting someone. Fear of being a real human in a human body, a real living person looking for love or finding love or creating love or preserving love or nurturing love, building love. Here's how you can find a way to say, no thank you to... Anything that stands in the way of love, and it has everything to do with embracing the self, darlings, and embracing what it means to be human and alive. All right, I've, I've had them printed out on my ghostly paper here. Number one, turn on beautiful music and dance. And even if you cannot dance, play an instrument, or sing, or just enjoy music, darling, because music connects. Dancing, singing, playing an instrument connects the human body, the physical body, with the divine. And no, it doesn't matter if you're good or not. Everything doesn't have to be the American voice star or whatever show or program you, you like to watch where you judge others for doing what you fear to do yourself. No, just enjoy music, darlings, but in your body, in your body. Number two. Ah, yes. Consult the ghost of a tiger. Now, some of you may have read the book The Passion in the Desert by Honoré de Balzac. And if you have not, I highly recommend you go get that book and watch it. There is a film version I've also seen, darlings. I remember it from perhaps the late 80s or the early 90s. It was after I had died. And I spent hour after hour in a movie theater and I saw this. It was a foreign film, darlings. But if you consult the ghost of a tiger, you will remember how it feels to move in your body and to stalk and to... Go for what you want, darlings, and to be sexy while doing it. Number three, cook a meal for yourself. Slow cook a wonderful meal, sit down with proper place setting, and enjoy it by candlelight. And remember number one with the music. Play music while you do it. Which includes also cooking a meal for someone else and enjoying it together, darlings. Now, let's see. Oh, and then there's a part B. Uh, 3B, which is after you have eaten your meal, you are free to call up an ex you hate and break the plates that they gave you. I don't know why I wrote that, but I must have been in a mood. Number four, what am I on? Oh, this one is wonderful, darlings. Write love letters, lots of them. Write love letters and send them to people. Don't be crazy. Don't send psycho, psycho, psychotic letters. Don't be crazy and don't send psycho letters. Also, write many hate letters, but don't send those, darling. No, just keep those for yourself for fun on a Sunday afternoon. <gasps> Number five. Cry at movies at the movie theater, which means you must go to a movie theater and buy a ticket and go inside and sit down and watch the movie and cry cry and laugh and whatever else that sort of stone-faced woman says at the beginning of the AMC movies. She's an incredible actress and very beautiful. Do what she says. Go do that. Go to the movie theaters and do that, darlings. 
Number six. This one is very weird, but fun. Go to the local high school baseball game or local college or local professional team and enjoy a game of baseball. Go enjoy and hear that sound of the ball cracking against the bat and just let yourself get a little bored and let your mind wander and then get back to the game where you notice, oh, something's happened. Something's happened here at the game. Now, you can eat your peanuts or your Cracker Jack or drink a beer and say, now, why did generations past find this enjoyable? They really must have had a lot of time on their hands. And the answer to that, darling, is, of course, yes, we had more time on our hands back then, but we also didn't sit and worry about all of the things on our to-do list and creating selfies for our social media at the baseball game. We just simply enjoyed a game. The other beautiful thing about attending a sporting event is it is one of the last places on Earth where a spontaneous act of brilliance can occur, darlings. Where something isn't pre-planned and premeditated. In fact, even if you use statistics to place your bets, it is still possible for the divine to enter into the spirit of an athlete and for their years of training to surprise you, darlings. To surprise you through an incredible act of brilliance and genius. Number seven. Hug a tree. Gaze upon a flower, talk to a bird, enjoy nature. Number eight. <gasps> Number eight, plan a road trip, take a car and go do something. Something a little strange, like go see the Stonehenge made of cars in the middle of the country, darlings. And if you don't have a car, you can certainly take a bus or a train. The point is to take a nice slow trip somewhere and see a part of the country you'd never thought to think of before. Go eat food at a greasy diner and see how other people live their lives. Now, how does this help you find love? I don't know, darlings, but I wrote it on the list, so you should go do it. Number nine. Oh, I understand. You see, numbers... What am I on? Number ten. I don't know. Whatever number I'm on, doesn't matter. All of the previous numbers, point two... Part one of this list, which is about going out into the world, not being afraid of being out in the world, even if you're an introvert. You don't have to do it with crazy strangers. You can simply go on a road trip by yourself, darlings. But to get out into the world and to see who you are in it and to experience what nature has to offer you. And this gets to the part about love and enjoying your life and being alive, which is self-possession, which leads me to the final number on this list, which is go for your dream, darling. Go for your dreams, whatever they may be, darling. It doesn't matter if you achieve them or not, even. Believe you me, I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm Joan de la Fleur. But if I've learned anything in this life, it's that life is to be lived. And whatever your dream is helps you put one foot in front of the other and give your own life purpose. For the purpose of life is to give life purpose. The meaning of life is to give life meaning. And the destiny of life is to be you. Well, darlings, I feel as though I'm becoming nearly kind. And so, obviously, that indicates it's time to end this episode of Joan de la Fleur, the podcast experience. I would love to hear from you at joandelafleur.yahoo.com. And perhaps I shall read your letters aloud, darlings. Tune in next week when I deliver a few acting lessons and perhaps a performance. 
per request. No, not as a jukebox. I won't be doing scenes from my favorite films that I acted in, although perhaps I will, since some of these films are lost, darlings. Can you believe it? I've discovered that, in fact, Blue Bonnet's Flower with the Grey is a lost film, so I may have to refilm that one entirely. But until then, I shall discover some other acting experience to deliver to you next time. And until we meet again, please do go back and subscribe and give this podcast the highest rating possible and tell all your friends, darling, tell all your friends. Until next time, I am Joan de la Fleur, with love. Email Joan at joandelafleur at yahoo.com. Joan de la Fleur, the podcast experience.